has been called the king of the New Testament epistles, and for good reason. The letter is all about God and the good news that no matter who we are or what we've done, though we're all sinful and well-deserving of God's judgment, we can be saved from God's wrath simply by trusting in God's Son. We are put right with God through grace, through faith. Salvation is a gift from God. This is the message of Romans. Now let's join Pastor Ross with our verse-by-verse study through this incredible book. All righty, let's get started. We find ourselves in Romans chapter 13, where Paul is rounding out some of his thoughts and winding down and concluding uh, what he's been talking about in chapters 12 and 13. So we're going to get that summary Uh, This morning, let's ask the Lord for his blessing. Now, Father God, as we talk about the most important quality a a person could possess, the quality of love, you said if we don't have it, no matter what we have on the plus side of things, uh, we will come out a zero. Just plain and simple. Our lives will mean nothing if we don't have love. And so as we reflect on what that means and looks like today, as we're called to love one another, Father God, help us to hear things in a fresh new way that inspires us to not just hear and know, but to act and do. In Christ's name, amen. I was reading an online news story about... Uh, consumer debt this week, which are always popular themes in January after the holidays. Let me quote from the uh, article entitled Holiday Hangover. By most accounts, consumers were feeling pretty festive this holiday season. Americans racked up an average of $1,054 debt this holiday season. According to a recent report, about 5% more than last year. After that spending, uh, all that spending, I should say, can leave a nasty financial hangover. For many of those shoppers, it could take Months and months, perhaps even years, to pay down that kind of credit card tab at a at a minimal payment of $25. That'll take you four years, and you will be charged $500 in interest. Uh, the Proverbs say the borrower is slave to the lender, and indeed, that is very true. Now, the Bible does say a lot about being wise with our Money and to live within our means, to let contentment and self-control be the rule of the day. And in the first place, not to pile up a bunch of debt. But this morning, he's going to introduce an idea that there is a debt that is allowed by God and actually encouraged, a debt that can never be paid off. 
If you paid it this morning at 8 o'clock, it is now currently due again. And that debt is the debt to love one another. And in the text, it begins with one another, but we'll find the wording to spread out, to fan out, to include the other, the neighbor, the other one. And the word to love your neighbor means to love whoever is near. And so we're going to take a look at that uh, this morning. But it's a debt that we pay day in and day out, week after week, month after month, year after year. You never stamp paid in full on that one. So here in Romans chapter 13, a nice transition from paying our taxes and being morally obligated to pay off of our debts, he uses that as a springboard to go into another kind of debt, the debt of loving one another. Let's take a look at our short little verses for today. Let no debt, now he's talking money, remain outstanding now that springboard, except the continual debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. The commandments, do not commit adultery, don't murder, do not steal, do not covet, and whatever other command there may be in these regards are summed up in this one rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. This is our text for consideration this communion Sunday and a good one for Communion Sunday at that. And so we'll leave that up there and let's get situated here with some context. Here are some concluding remarks. You'll notice that we're uh, at verse 10 or so. There are only 14 verses in the chapter. And so he is winding down his thoughts from where he introduced the practical section of Romans where he said, uh, chapters 1 through 11, this is the marvelous thing that God has done for you. Now, here are some marvelous things you can do for him. And he began that by saying there uh, that we are to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, that we put our hearts and lives into the offering box, as it were. He's not interested in just the money. (laughs) He's interested in the heart and in the lives. And so really what Paul's been talking about in great detail is a fleshing out of what it means to offer God our lives fully, to have our hearts and minds renewed by the Holy Spirit and not conformed to the world, to do God's will, his good, perfect, and pleasing will. And he went into some detail. Oh, wow. Details, challenges, profound. When he said, let me tell you what that looks like. For love, you'll be deferring and honoring one another above yourselves. And you won't stop there. You'll even love those who are hostile to you, who have harmed you. You will love your enemies and you will bless those who persecute you. And then the pièce de résistance, he says in Romans 13, he says that your love obligation will not stop there. It will be extended to those who hold authority over you, especially the governing authorities, those in positions of power. God put them there and he expects us to subjugate our lives to them with honor 
and respect. These were the things he's been talking to us about. And now he's kind of, before he moves on to Romans 14 with a new thought, he's sort of wrapping up what it means to live the Christian life. Uh, a summary statement, and there are two of them. This one, this paragraph is a call to love faithfully. So that's our point this morning, a call to love faithfully, verses 7 through 10. And next week, he's done with a call to live morally. So summary statements for the Christian life. To sum up everything he's been saying, he's going to say, you know what it comes down to? Simple. He's going to say, it comes down to love and holiness. Those are the two words that should characterize any born-again Christian's life. And so let's dive in with the first. We'll take that second one next week. But the first one that's looking at us right now is the call to love faithfully. Now, this paragraph divides quite nicely. And the first point here is love is an unpaid debt. And this is how he wants you to see loving others. It can be really hard. It's hard enough to love those who love you it's hard enough to love those in your family. It's hard enough to love your spouse and your kids all the time in biblical love. That's hard enough. But he says, on top of that, you're to love with this, with God's love. Not just those who love you, but those who don't like you very much and those you don't like either. And so in order to do that, we really need God's help. And so... We begin thinking of love as an unpaid debt. Now, if you think of it as an unpaid debt, it will help you remember that you have to work at it. You have to be inspired. You have to be intentional. And you can never give up. There'll never be a time when you can stamp paid in full on anybody's account. Anybody in the whole universe in this life, you can never say, I have loved enough. Done. Now, there are behaviors that can change about putting ourselves in harm's way or the different degrees of intensity of a relationship and friendships come and go and change based on these kinds of things, but it doesn't change your obligation to biblically love that person. And so let's take a look at what he's saying here. He's saying part of what it means to have your act together by paying your taxes. See, verse 7 is a perfect uh, springboard for a clever transition to talk about a spiritual obligation. He's just finished talking about in verse 7. He says, do you owe taxes? Pay taxes. Do you owe sales tax, uh, revenue, all kinds of things? Pay what you owe. That's what Christians do. We're supposed to do that to guard our reputations for Christ's sake, to live personally uh, responsible, financially speaking, I should say, to live above reproach, to manage our personal lives well. We, of all people, have to have it together. We have got to have our acts together. Well, what does it say to the world when we don't have our acts together and we're preaching a message to them that is supposedly the answer to all of their problems and they take a look at our lives. That's part of the reason we pay our taxes and submit to governing authorities and live peaceful and quiet lives in subjection. This is what he's been talking about. And so 
Part of what it means to have it together is to be fiscally responsible. And the NIV nails it there. Let no debt remain outstanding. King James has it a little bit more stark. Oh, no, man, anything. Uh, But the point here is not that God prohibits debt of any kind because he gives us rules and regulations in the Old Testament about borrowing. And he encourages borrowing in the Sermon on the Mount. If somebody wants to borrow from you, lend. And don't even expect repayment. And so it's not a prohibition against taking out a mortgage. What he is saying is when you're going to sign on a dotted line for, let's say, a mortgage, you better make sure that you'll be able to make prompt and uh, timely payments that you can afford, live within your means. And this is what, let no debt, the NIV does nail it here, this, the sense, <laughs> live in the black, live profitably uh, so that you would have uh, something to share with others and so that you would be a model citizen in this world. So this is what he's saying uh, here with, with um let no debt remain standing, outstanding, I should say, except the continuing debt to love one another. There we go, a springboard, very clever. Of course, he's the Apostle Paul, and he is inspired of the Holy Spirit. So he says there is a debt there, a continuing debt to love one another. And then he says, fellow man, so now we know it's not just Christian love, it's, Christ, it's a love of anyone near. And in the Greek, it says love of the other. The fellow man is the other one right there in front of you. And so, dear Christian, uh, if you're familiar with Dave Ramsey and his debt-free scream, he invites people who have paid off their debt down to his radio station, and they have three, two, one, we're debt-free. I hate to tell you this, but when regarding love, you'll never be able to have a debt-free scream. You love them at 8 o'clock, you'll love them at 9 you loved him in 9.30, you'll love him in noontime. You loved him in noontime. You're going to have to love in the evening. And no matter what they've done, who they are, or how you feel about them, you can never check the list that said, done it. I'm through. Oh, the world says three strikes and you're out, buddy. You know? and uh, But that's not the way biblical love is it says that debt is never discharged fully in this life you can never do it but the world according to the godless mentors of hollywood and dable dable that's daytime and cable (laughs) put together dable uh talk show hosts uh they they say hey i'm no longer happy so i'm no longer obligated Uh, I'm no longer getting, so I'm no longer giving. And that is not agape love. Agape love just loves for the sake of loving. It just loves. You can nail it to the cross. You've heard me say many times. And it will put its executioners in the best possible light. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Yes, they do. They know what they're doing. They don't fully understand it, but how gracious How gracious of God to present them in that and then offer a prayer of intercession 
forgive them. That's the kind of love from which you are not excused ever, ever, ever. Well, what about no? No, not what about. Done, you must love. It doesn't mean you put yourself in abusive situations. But it means you guard your heart from resentment, from anger, from rage, from bitterness, from those kinds of poisons. You must not let yourself stoop that low. You have an obligation. And so when you and I, to whom do we owe the debt, by the way? It's not to them, the person you're loving. You don't owe them. You owe a debt to somebody who showed you a bottomless grace, who showed you the kind of love which he now wants you to replicate. He extended you uh, free forgiveness, free mercy. Yes, past, present, future. Even this, even that. Yes, even this and even that. Then you must extend that same kind of love. Even this, even that. Yeah, well, if you got it, if you received that, then you're morally indebted to God to show the same exact love that you gulped down on that awesome day when all of your sins, all of your sick thoughts, all of your defilement, all of your potential disastrous ways were engulfed in love unlimited, full of grace and mercy and kindness. You're indebted. Where were you headed? You were headed straight to hell. You were not going to collect $200. You were going straight to the lake of fire. And somebody who didn't have to stepped in and at great cost to himself prevented you from getting your just reward for the wages of sin is debt. To that person... You have incurred a debt. When you signed up to go to heaven and escape hell and, and, and be found right with God, when you said yes to that, you incurred a debt, a debt which you can never repay. And the way you bless your benefactor is do what the benefactor wants you to do that blesses him. Uh, how do you repay somebody who does this kind of supernatural, loving, selfless thing for you? What, how do you repay a guy who would say, hey, you know what? I got two kidneys. You need one. I'll give you mine. I'll lay down at a great risk and cost. I'll give you one of my kidneys. Or I'll tell you, or some guy just steps in front of the bullet. He sees the bullet. He t- throws himself in front of a bullet for you. There are guys who have done that and survived. Now, wouldn't it be nice? And of course, a moral sense of uh, in indebtedness to the guy who took the bullet to to say when the guy says i got a favor to ask your thank you card doesn't end your obligation uh, to show favor to the guy who selflessly blessed you in ways that are beyond measure this is why there's a debt to god And he's asking you, is there somebody on your list? You said, paid in full. (laughs) Paid in full. Or somebody who's never even made it on your list because they're not worthy enough to be on your list. Oh, Oh, no. Rethink this love thing. 
or you'll end up finding yourself a big zero. But you could say, oh, well, I speak in the tongues of men and angels. And, oh, I know how so many knowledgeable things. And, oh, well, I've got the gift of this and the gift of that. And God says, you know what? You missed the whole point because you didn't have love. The kind of love I define, I'm being nice to people who are, are lovely and attractive and can do something for you. And that's not love. We have a debt to love in the hardest possible way. And that is what makes it so very hard. So moving on. So what we do here is what he commands. He called it the, a new commandment. On the night he was betrayed, he mentioned three times in case they didn't get it. They were upset on that night. But through John 14, 15, and 16, he says, I've got a new commandment for you that you love one another. Now, why is this a new commandment? Well, it's new in the, its scope and its range and its quality. It's certainly a new way for the Jewish young men at the table to think about love. Uh, he said, you've heard it said that uh, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That was rabbinical teaching. There was no obligation to love Samaritans. <laughs> Are you kidding me? It was, there was no obligation to love Gentiles. From the rabbi's point of view, there was no obligation to love those who mistreat you. But Jesus says, okay, guys, time for a new commandment, time to love the way that God loves. And so that's what's new about the new commandment. He said, love each other as, and here it is, wait for it, as I have loved you. Oh, that's why it's new. Now, it may have been encoded in Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 18, where that old commandment to love your neighbor as yourself is. It's been around for 1,500 years since Moses penned it, right? God speaking through Moses. So there's nothing new about it. But we didn't see it until God, love incarnate, came down to demonstrate it as I have loved you. And by the end of 24 hours from the word spoken from his lips, he is hanging on a cross dying. And so this is love that blesses those who persecute you, insult you, speak evil of you. That's how I love. Big meanies who require you to go one mile. Go with them too. That's how I love, he says. Love when you're not loved back. Love when there's nothing in it for you. Love the ungrateful. Love when they're mean and hurtful. Love when you're offended. Love when they're unlovely. Love when they are acting vile and vulgar. That's how I have loved you, he says. So he calls us up. On here. Now, I, I've got this in King James Spence, Leviticus 19, verse 18, where the command is quoted from originally. <clears throat> but I love King James. It just uh, really punches it. <laughs> and look at the context of love your neighbor as yourself. Don't avenge yourself or bear any grudge against the children of thy people, your brothers and sisters, for our purposes in Christ. 
but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. Wow. When he hangs that little tagline on it, he's serious. <laughs> he's saying, now, now the context of you shall love the other, the, the, the near one, which means any human close to you, as you love yourself is in the context of being wronged. Don't avenge yourself. Don't take revenge. Don't bear a grudge. Don't have unforgiveness in your heart. It was born not out of just a clear statement. Uh, you know, try to love people. No. When you are, are aggressed, when you're offended, when they're difficult, when they're a problem, when you're wounded, then I want you to love them as you love yourself. And oh, that's a slam to the human heart. Did you not pick that up? You're all good at loving yourselves, so all I'm doing is asking you to love other people the way that you are obsessively over-focused and always cutting yourself slack and all of that. You know how to love yourself. I want you to spread a little of that love onto somebody else. You know, somebody can drive a certain way. Oh, you know, lead foot driver over here. And the slow lane guy, oh, he needs to go learn how to drive a car, buddy, you know? But I got no problems, right? So because we love ourselves so much, we let ourselves off with murder. We get away with every sin in the book and we nail everybody else. Why? Because we love ourselves. So we always look at our own lives, not with a cold eye, but with a loving, warm eye that's so willing to overlook our weaknesses and struggles because we love ourselves. So he said, could you just cut people slack and mercy the way you cut yourself slack all the time because you love yourself? That's what he's saying. And I feel a lot better now. I got that out of my mind. Thank you for that. You can go back to the text. And so that's what he's saying there it's a it's a debt it's hard it's almost impossible i'm gonna say it it's impossible it is humanly impossible to love like god loves unless god's in there doing the loving through us and that's the secret isn't it it's yielding to the fullness of the holy spirit and and playing dead and letting him rise up and do his loving through me. That's the work of the Christian is to learn how to get out of the way, to be filled with the spirit and let God do the heavy lifting. Amen. Now he's going to go on in his text and he says, listen, loving others is a really good idea. And guess what? He or she who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law, the commandments. Don't commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet. And whatever else commandment that relates to human beings that there are, are summed up with this one in the Greek word. Love your neighbor as yourself. So let's talk about what this means if you're taking notes, love is now the fulfillment of the law. First of all, love was. Love is an unpaid debt, and love now is the fulfillment of the law. Now, what does Paul mean 
when he says that love fulfills the Old Testament law. Well, when you say Old Testament law, you can think of the Ten Commandments, but they actually stand for 613 commandments that came down from God that are listed in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and then relisted in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy means second listing, second reading. All right, and there's some more added on in Deuteronomy as well. Now, these were the Old Testament laws, which said, really, the old covenant, the old arrangement God had, and he did this on purpose. It sounds uh, tough, but it's with love. He says, do this or die. That was the old covenant. So those 613 things were like death sentences. It was the ministry of death, as the New Testament calls it, because its main point was given, and Galatians 3 tells us this, to lead us to Christ. What do you mean, giving us 613 commands when we, we can't even handle one, right? We break them all, really. And so sacrifices were, were made, on behalf of those who fall short. And because they had faith in God, that that sacrifice was looking forward to the permanent fix called the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world, they were saved. Why? They were saved through faith looking forward at not the Lamb sitting by their side who was just slain because of their sins, but the the slain one who would come who was put to death before the foundations of the world, as it says in the Bible. And so, in the meantime, the law was hanging over everybody's head, constantly reminding of the threat, the falling short, the need. But in the fullness of time, God sent his son, and Christ went to that cross as God in a human body, suffered and died. And listen, here's what's important. He fulfilled the law. He's not telling you by, hey, just be loving and you fulfill the law. No, nobody fulfills the law. Only Christ fulfilled the law in the fullest sense of that understanding. Now, those who love, love is the spirit of everything the law was talking about. That's the understanding there. So in the new covenant now, he says, now that you've been joined to Christ, your sins are forgiven, you're under a new covenant. When you love and the spirit of Christ is in you, you are in some sense fulfilling what the Old Testament law was requiring because love is the umbrella which all of those 613 commands will fall under. So let's talk more about this. They are considered, looking at verse 9, there are the commandments there. He, he chose commandment number seven, commandment number six, commandment number eight, and commandment number 10. And he says, you know what? When you love like God loves, really the cliff note version of the Old Testament, not just seven, six, eight, and 10, but all 613 are fulfilled because love is the embodiment and the prompt for all of those things. 
The commandments of Old Testament law are summed up in one word, love your neighbor as yourself. And, and where, did, where did we get this understanding that you could sum up everything in one commandment? That was from the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me refresh your memories. I believe I have it. Spent some Matthew 22. There we go. You almost got a little preview of something there. <laughs> okay, it was a few days before his execution. This is Passion Week. And they're really trying to mess him up. But hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees said, well, we're smarter than they are. So they got together to try to do the deed to trick up God. You're going to have to wake up really early in the morning. <laughs> One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Well, yeah, that would trip up a normal human being, but not the Son of God. Verse 37, he says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart. He's quoting the Old Testament, the law, and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. It's kind of on equal footing. Love your neighbor as yourself. There it is, Leviticus 19 and verse 18. And then he makes this statement. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. That's why Paul can say, hey, when you love you fulfill, fulfill the commands, the law. But Jesus is even making it bigger. Jesus is saying, all the law of the prophets, that includes everything. That includes the Old Testament, every verse of the Old Testament. All the books, the 39 books, every chapter. He said, everything hangs on these two commandments. So what is, what is he saying by that? The entirety of Israel's religion is hanging. Salvation, everything depends. This is suspended from these two verses, 39 books, 929 chapters, to uh, 23,145 verses hang from two sentences. Let me use this analogy. We all have closets in our homes. Some have very organized closets. Shirts are hung in one place and pants in another and so on. Others ratcheted up a notch and they have color-coordinated closets. Miss Barb pleads guilty to this charge. All the black feeds into blues and then into grays and then into, yeah, all right. <laughs> and then there are us who just hang whatever, wherever. Guilty. <laughs> whatever the case, closets have something in common. Follow me here. There is some way to hang the clothes up. That's important. It usually consists of a bar that the clothes are suspended from. All the clothing in the closet hangs on that bar. Now, the clothes can be important. They're expensive, they're nice, and all of that. The order may be important to some of us girls. <laughs> and the closet itself is important as well, but the whole point is that the clothes are hanging. 
if the bar breaks, expensive and beautiful, well-ordered clothing falls into a heap at the bottom of the closet. The law and the prophets, all of Judaism, everything about God that came before is hanging. But without true love for God in our hearts, without replicating that love to others who are created in God's image, oh snap, the bar in the closet. And you know what's coming next? Big ugly. Big mess of ugly at the bottom of your closet. Yes, love fulfills what the law requires. It's sort of the whole point. Without love for God, nothing else matters. Without love for one another, nothing else happens. And I guarantee you, there will be thousands upon thousands of people who will be utterly shocked and surprised to find out that they had beautiful clothes in life and they were well-ordered. They were wonderful closets. But because they missed the point and didn't love God with what? All their hearts, all their minds, all their soul, all their strength, and didn't love others, how? With the same fascinating love which they have for themselves. They didn't do that. They're going to be surprised. Some of them might not even know him. Some of them may have known him, but forfeited great reward because they missed the point. The bar snapped. They were saved, but out of a big, ugly mess because they missed the point. The last point there is really what he's getting at. Love does no harm. So that's our third point. Love is an unpaid debt, and love fulfills the law. And then thirdly, love uh, does no harm. Let's end on this note here. So here's what he's saying. Simply put, here's how the, the, the law sums up, is summed up by love. Simply put, he says, if you love somebody, you're not going to murder them. If you love somebody, you're not going to commit adultery on them or with somebody else. If you love somebody, you're not going to take his shovel and not turn it back to him. You're not going to want what he wants. You're not going to despise coveting. You're not, if you love them, you're happy he got the job. You're happy he's doing better than you. You don't want what he has because you love him. And you're happy and you rejoice with those who rejoice. You don't resent it. So he says, see, when you have biblical love, you're going to meet the 613. You're going to meet 700. You're going to do a thousand little things. And you don't need to be legislated all the time. The legislation helps to have that reminder. <laughs> you don't need, when you're in love with somebody, right? Do I need to tell somebody when they come into my office and they're all goo-goo-eyed and the hormones are flying, you can almost see them in the room, you know, <laughs> the stars, and, and they're all excited. I don't have to say to the guy, you know, whatever you do, don't lie to her. Don't flirt with the waitresses at the restaurants when you're sitting with her. I don't have to say that. I don't have to say, you know, don't raise your voice at her. He's like, you know, what? 
why would you say that to me? You know, and when it's really important to say nice things, tell her you love her. You know, you've, he's already told her three times and they've already kissed on the cheek four times. Why? Because there's some love. Yes, is there some infatuation involved? Yeah. A little infatuation can go a long way. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> All right. Okay. How many of you have been more, married more than 20 years? Raise your hand. Yep. That was the problem. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Moving on. So he says that thou shalt not... Don't go to worry, covered. When you love God's style, you don't have to worry, you know, about, you know, doing these bad things. And then he says, and love, and the thou shalts are covered too. You know, things like forgiving or overlooking an offense. That's because you love, you know. The person who is picky, 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 picky is low on love. Oh, picky, oh, I want to fight about everything. Oh, you said this, but did you mean that? And oh, everything, every little thing is something to take issue with. They are low lovers, low on the love. Because when you're high with love, who cares about those dumb stuff? Because you still got it for that person. You let things like that go, 90% of all that nonsense, yeah? You serve, you consider others better. But thou shouts, you're kind, you're generous. You stick up for them. You hear somebody talking about somebody, you know, they shouldn't be saying those things. And how many times you just let them say it, as long as they're not talking about me, it's okay. But if you are filled with love, you say, hey, 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 let's just pray. I had a friend who used to be sort of evil in this regard, <laughs> tongue in cheek there. But he'd say, you know, somebody would be talking about somebody inappropriately and not very Christian-like. A friend said, hey, 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 let's pray for that person. You begin. <laughs> and bow his head. <laughs> yeah, tricky, tricky. <laughs> yeah, but see, if you were filled with love, ask the brother who wanted to protect and stand up because what? He may not even love that person. He may even agree. He may even agree that that was a dumb thing they said or did. Let's roast him over the fire. No. Love says, let's get him out of the fire. Let's spin this thing for good. You know what I'm saying. And by the way, uh, when we do no harm, and verse 10 is where we're wrapping up now. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Love, therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And those, this is the idea, doing no harm is all those positive things that I just mentioned. And, you know, to do no harm is to tell somebody the truth, isn't it? So let's say you withhold the truth right, from somebody, spiritually speaking, and you're afraid to tell them that there is a hell and you're headed there. And if you don't repent and change because of that immoral lifestyle, then you will perish. To withhold that for the sake of the relational feathers all not being ruffled is not loving 
Because anything that will end in, in harm's way for somebody that you, that you uh, affirmed, you actually affirmed by your silence, by your actions, you never bothered to say, you know, hey, you're at odds with what the Bible says. So the, the world's definition of love is that shh, you don't say anything. Uh, that will be upsetting. Let, let people live the way they want to live. But if in humility and in kindness, in gentleness, and after pulling the huge log out of your own eye, you're able to, with great graciousness, speak the truth in love, then you're averting harm and loving truly, though it may not look that way to the world or be defined that way. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your great love. We are truly indebted to you. This is a challenging concept. We are glad for your great love and that you are so patient with us who are so slow to implement uh, this to others. And so help us now as we consider what you've done on our behalf. In Christ's name, amen. You have been listening to The Rocks Podcast. Our regular services are held on Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you'd like to learn more, please visit our website at cctherock.org.